We are Pro Cannabis Media. Hi, everyone. Welcome again to another edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, a very special podcast that is available on all the biggest podcast aggregation networks and distributors like iTunes and Spotify. And of course, we are also carried on our friends, our flagship group at Cannabis.net, CLNSmedia.com, and of course, on all of the pro-cannabis media social media outlets. I'm your host, Jimmy Young, the founder of Pro Cannabis Media, and this week we are going international. We're going to the island nation of Jamaica, and joining us is Omari Jackson. And Omari Jackson, not only is he a uh, a, a graduate of Emerson College, a, a university in the greater Boston area where I got to teach this past semester. But he's also a, a filmmaker, a multimedia uh, journalist, and a producer, and someone who calls Jamaica and Montego Bay his home. Omari Jackson, welcome to In the Weeds. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for having me, Jimmy. Nice to meet you. Now, tell me a little bit, it, it, in the back of you, it says Ganjactivist. The, it, it's an ganja activist, together in one word. Explain how you branded that and exactly what are you up to with the, the ganja project of Jamaica? The ganja, well, they, they, those are two separate projects. But I understand. So now you get, basically, you get to talk now, Amari. <laughs> no, well, that's, I would, thank you. <laughs> thank you, no problem. <laughs> All right, no. Um, get, no, um, get this, well, the, the brand is Gandactivist. Gandactivist.com is the website that I started up as to, to um, just to bring media to, to, the, to the landscape, especially media out, because there's not a lot of content coming out of Jamaica, not even content for Jamaica, and Jamaicans are very curious about the industry. So I figured I'd fill in that role. Um, and but there, I, I have run into that exact problem that because I kind of brought ganja and activists together, people immediately call it ganja and assume that that is what that's 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 what the website is about. And I'm trying to claim to name that this is the ganja activist website of Jamaica, and that's actually not the case. It's a brand of the two kind of just kind of mixed mess together, um, basically. Yeah, in a nutshell, in a nutshell, ganja activist in a nutshell, but everyone likes it open, so I don't know, it gets confusing at times. No worries, no worries, no worries. What do we call it? Irie man? Isn't that what it's Irie about? Man, Irie, all it's all good. Irie, Irie, always man. It's all good. So tell me about the Ganja project and what you're up to now. Well, the Ganja project is a television. Well, it's a video series right now that I'm going to start putting together and launch it hopefully as soon as next month. Um, that's going to be once again, just again, just information about cannabis, Ganja, the Ganja industry in Jamaica and globally. Um, kind of for Jamaicans, for the Jamaican audience, and those who are interested in Jamaica, because obviously it's a lovely place to come. Um, and then that, I'm, I will, you know, piece that together to put into a television program to put on, onto local television um, before the end of the year. But it's, um, it's, it's really, it's just another, another form of media, getting more media out there, more intelligent, pertinent media, media that's going to be relevant to, to, you know, to the Jamaican context and, um, and, you know, and the industry. And, um, and try to get Jamaicans to embrace the industry more because that is that's that's what's lacking a lot in Jamaica. People are of the belief that Jamaica, but when when um the the, the prevalence of ganja use is not is not as is not as high as people think it is, and even the acceptance of ganja and as an industry, it's um it's actually quite low. <laughs> so that's that that is actually a stumbling block of the industry itself in Jamaica. And, it, and, to, and for those of us from outside of Jamaica looking into the island and uh, the, the reputation 
uh, of the the trade of um, cannabis in Jamaica it has always been part of the culture there. And of course, you know, when you think of Jamaica, you think of the Rastafarians and, and the, the, the group that is um, really waves the flag, if you will, for uh, for the the way the plant interacts with the soul. Is that an accurate description of, of ganja and the and, and also the role it plays with the Rastas? Well, that's that's it's that's you you said a lot in in a little bit, but um. That's what I yeah, do. No, in many well, no, because in many ways the ganja culture is it's there's a Rastafarian culture that is separate. From what I guess we'd call mainstream Jamaican culture, um, and the ganja is kind of hovers between the two, and so it has its it has its um. Yes, with the Rastafari community, that is purely sacramental, that is very spiritual, people understand that. And that has been a huge part of what has helped um, the decriminalization happen that happened in 2015. Um, as far as the social acceptance across the board, um, its use is tolerated. I mean, that's just, that's just accepted. No one's, some people don't like it, but whatever, they, they will tolerate it. Um, but as far as acceptance and even people accepting the industry and getting into it, and people... Um, you know, even taking CBD products, they, 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 there's still, there's still the notion of the devil's weed and that, that permeates throughout society. And, um, yeah, I have family members who are like, Ganjo, oh my goodness, what is that? And I was like, really? <laughs> are you kidding me? You know, it's, 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 um, it's, 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 it's a pop culture. And like any pop culture, it, it is really like a small step. It's carried, carried out within the actual culture itself. It's, it's not, yeah, not as strong. But hang on one second, because I got to remind people once again that we are supported by Revolutionary Clinics, the three location medical dispensary in the greater Boston area and at Rev Clinics in Fresh Pond, in Central Square and in Somerville, you will find the finest quality patient advocates. You will find the finest quality flower and concentrates. And remember, at Rev Clinics, the patient always comes first. Anyway, back to the show and back to what we were talking about. I appreciate you waiting for a sec. And that's fascinating to me. I mean, you know, in the United States, as you know, there, there's this history um, that was started by um, the white man who wanted to control the pulp industry back in the 1920s and 30s. And uh, that led to the prohibition. And it was, it was funded by the Hearsts and the DuPonts of the world. Uh, they were afraid of the hemp industry impacting their forestry uh, industry. And, 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 and that formed uh, the... Um, there's some media, some media giant involved in there somewhere as well because you know you got to have the media. Well, <laughs> that's right. Well, yeah, exactly. It was Hearst. It was Randolph Hearst. And right. and anyway, long story short, that funded the the propaganda that led to reefer madness, that built the right. stigma of 80 years that we continued to fight in the United States as this green wave slowly moves across the country here in the United States. It's already uh, obviously been accepted north of the border in Canada. Mexico continues to battle their own internal uh, politics, if you will, of the drug cartels trying to get it into the legitimate arena, if you will, of politics and, and legality. Right. And, um, you know, Omar, when people ask me, you know, what, what stock they should invest in and how can I get into the cannabis industry? And I said, find a good law firm to invest in because that's going to be the one 
um, <laughs> one industry that's going to survive it no matter side, whether cannabis side, right. yeah, other side definitely that's right for sure. exactly right for sure. but it, it is a fascinating thing to me that you would think and again this is definitely uh, stereotypical definitely prejudice that uh, Jamaicans um, you know are pro cannabis but you're telling me in your country that you're still fighting that stigma uh, even in your own family you said Oh, most, most, most definitely. I mean, it's, it's when it's, I mean, put it this way, we, 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 we suffered the same propaganda that you guys did in the U.S. and Canada and so on. And then we got the British um, post-colonial, you know, tyranny coming down, coming down on us, on us culturally as well. And, and, the, and the majority of Jamaicans are Christians as well. So that's, that just gives you the foundation for, for where that stigma comes from in Jamaican society. Um, I mean, when I was, I, I went to um, I, I I went to boarding school when I was fourteen, and um, and that was and one of the things that I purposely did when I left the country I, I didn't have dreadlocks or anything at the time was I myself completely with ganja. I was like, you know, people, oh, you ever tried ganja? Oh, God, me, no, never. God, that's disgusting stuff. Are you kidding me? No, that's just like the rest of my thing. Those people from the street. <laughs> you know, that's literally what this was. This is what we were taught. You know, um, it's only after a couple after a couple years and seeing my friends and then trying to be like, what is it really? It's like, no. And then, and, um, and then learning, you know, because my, my brain likes to work like that. And, um, and realizing that this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's just nonsense. But anyway, but it's, 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 but then that was, that was, that was through a process of education. And a lot of Jamaicans have not gone through that process of education. Um, some are unwilling. Um, now, I guess because we have CBD and now it's really kind of, you know, getting, I guess, conscious of their health because of COVID they're, 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 they're you know, it's, it's, things are maybe, you know, it's shifting somewhat societally, but yeah, this, that's, it's, that's, it's, it's, that's been a real struggle. This is why it took in 2015. It took a tragic incident to really instigate the um, the decriminalization act that was passed. Can you can you uh, expound on that? I'll admit I'm not sure I'm familiar with what that tragic incident was in 2015 that led to. I, I, I personally I don't have specifics. I was not in Jamaica at the time. I understand there was a death in a prison of an inmate who was remanded for a very small amount of ganja. And they said, you see now this is just. Nonsense or bullshit. Sorry, if I'm sure I can say that on the stage. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that. So that was. I mean, it was on the table, but that was the final. It's like, okay, this is it. This is it. Come on, you know. Um, and that's really what what the the straw that broke the, the camel's back. But um, yeah, it's been that's that's been a fun. I mean, even now, even now, I'm mean, from what I understand, Minister Shaw um, gets called. Well, he says jokingly, of course, amongst amongst the, the community that he's called the Ganja Minister, the Minister of Ganja, and this language. I wouldn't mind that title. But anyways, um, but um. But he, um, yeah, but he, you know, there is still, there is, there's still some opposition to this and that. But it's, I mean, it's, the, the industry has not taken hold in Jamaica much at all. There's, there's little embracing in, across the board. I mean, there are people who are curious and they want to get involved. But it's, that's, that's, that, that, that is a part of um, why they, they, you'll see that there's sputterings and stagnation in the development of the industry in Jamaica. And that is, that is the reason why. Because I mean, in fact, I, you know, I'll call it out, I think my, our prime minister thinks the same way. So he doesn't really see a vision for the industry it says well they're doing something and i guess it's legal now so let's see what we can well it's almost legal so i mean because they're waiting for of course america to federally legalize so that we can it can you know use banking resources because we have the same problems that the, the u.s do as well right so no banking but it, 
And I, and I, you know, it's funny, I did talk to some natives, uh, one gentleman who was educated in the United States like yourself, um, who's in the financial services realm, and he was very curious about it. And he was very open saying, look, you know what, it's been here for a long time. We're, we're, we now understand some of the scientific research that is behind the plant. And it has allowed the natives to look at the Rastas specifically with a little different um, eye and, and perhaps uh, reputation. And I also know that they're trying to give an opportunity for those in Jamaica who obviously um, embrace this plant um, spiritually uh, uh, as well as agriculturally and give them an opportunity to actually own a piece of the pie or at least a piece of the, the pot, as it were. Um, what, what, where are you right now as far as the, the laws, the um, businesses coming in, perhaps to invest in uh, the soil? Uh, can you get licenses to grow it? Where, where exactly are you uh, in this stage? I know it's decriminalized. That much I learned when I was in Jamaica. Right. Well, yeah, for sure it's decriminalized. That's why if you walk the streets, it's not that much difference. But yes, it has been decriminalized. Yeah. No, and 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 and, uh, and you can go uh, into a dispensary. No, well, see, there, there, yeah. see, that's. I mean, there, there, there are a lot of. Sorry, no, go ahead. I said you can go into a dispensary and have uh, an adult beverage and smoke a joint and hang out and talk with your friends. I mean, it's a very. Um, it was like being in another world. It, it, in fact, it was being in another country. Um, but it was, it was a fascinating time for me to uh, walk into a bar, basically. Um, I was over the age of 18. I was very happy that I didn't get carded, but it is what it is. I'm the OG. I'm comfortable with that. And, uh, and then I met some great people, and we hung out, and we exchanged herb and, and, and stories, and we had a drink, and it was just like normal almost. I mean, we'd like to think it's going to be normal up here in the United States and in Massachusetts, but it's going to take still quite a bit of time for us to accept that uh, up here in the States. And, I'm, and what is it, where are you now as far as that goes in Jamaica with the laws and, and who's, who's got the money that's actually trying to drive this? Because I, I'm pretty comfortable with the fact knowing that money does drive most politics. Most well, most. I mean, there. See, that's a lot of different questions. I mean, as, as far as put it because of the the, the decriminalization, you know, access. Of course, that's a lot a lot easier. You have your dispensaries, you have your herb houses, you have regular bars. Some will allow you to smoke and so on and so forth. And there, there will be no no real persecution. Um, it, it it is against law to, to smoke, pure, just to smoke cigarettes, anything in public. So you know, if a cop passes you, they can ask you to put it up pretty much as far as that will go. Right, but they're not uh, going to arrest you and put you in jail. They may write no, you a ticket, not. right? <laughs> most certainly not. No, you're good to go. That, those days have ended. That ended in 2015. Thank right. goodness, you know. That's I, a I, I stuff yeah. once myself. It was a small split, but that's a story for another time. Um, as, far as, as far as the, the accessibility, well, all right, well, the Rastafarians as well, the Rastafarians, they do have, they have a free pass that they can grow and consume as they but they cannot sell, so they do not have commercial licensing. They cannot sell. They cannot export, um, which of course is a problem because they they've, they've not traditionally been the most economically um, resourced entity, you know, um, especially in Africa. Um, and then, but then you and then you have this. You have the large entities who are coming in. Some of which you have some Canadian companies who have invested um, quite steeply in in Jamaican entity. Well, let me roll it back a little bit as well. Um, 
oh goodness, what is the percentage? Right, the percentage, the straight off the bat with the CLA, that's the Cannabis Licensing Association, um, when they issued the regulations to, to allow for with the licensing structure, basically, in, in order for a company to, to, to exist within the cannabis industry, 51% must be a Jamaican entity. Okay. Um, so that's where it's, so that's, so that's, that's your Jamaican resource. And then, so of course, a lot, a lot of the finances is coming in to cover the, the remaining 49%. A lot of that is coming from Canada. Um, I do know of a couple entities like uh, Freya, who just was supposed to have an operation here and they just closed that to consolidate to do something else, which is fine. Um, I don't think that's a reflection of that level of the industry locally. Um, but there, it's, 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 it's getting off the ground. It really, really is. I mean, licenses are being issued, dispensaries are opening. Um, they are, they're still in the works of trying to get the export structure organized of course there's issues with the United States um, there's of course the banking as well so that's holding things back because um, because of the the intermediary banking we inter, our intermediary bank bank in Jamaica is of course an, an American bank and because it's not federal um, so cannabis is not federal um, federally legal the, basically the Jamaican banks are afraid that they can come down on us for illicit illicit behavior even though Cannabis or whatever, hemp and so on and so forth is legal. It's just, it's, it's a risk that banks don't want to take. I mean, banks, despite the amount of money you have, you think they, they'd be, they should be the biggest, biggest risk takers in the world, and they're the least. Um, but so let me ask you a question. Th those are the things that are stifling things. But hey, sorry. Let me, let me ask you a question about the banking. Um, they've allowed credit unions in the United States to take um, cannabis ancillary businesses and direct cannabis dispensary money. Um, and, and bank with credit unions. Uh, do credit unions exist, and is that same um, opportunity available for the Jamaican licensee? It is that, well, credit unions most certainly do exist. Um, that is something that has been, I do believe that there was a gentleman from um, the, one of the uh, Gadget Farmers Association, one of the major um, Gadget Farmers Associations in Jamaica, um, who was suggesting that there, there's apparently an agricultural um, credit union that they're trying to use that for the industry. I, not, that was not allowed. Um, I don't specifically know where the banking with the locally structure is, but I, I mean, you, you will hear when they speak, they, it will, they will say that it is a cash-based business. They cannot get appropriate banking services. Um, obviously, there's levels of banking services that they're able to access. How that is structured through the system, I cannot personally tell you. Okay, fair enough. That's okay. Um, you know, I'm always just looking for the uh, compare and contrast between the, the two countries. And, uh, and, and Lord knows in the United States, we've got plenty of issues going on. And then in the middle of all this, you've got the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. And, you know, that may be one of the reasons why the, the Canadian um, companies may be pulling out or readjusting themselves as far as, you know, what they do in Jamaica. Um, and kind of bringing their own dollars back into their own country into the, it, until we're able to find a vaccine and kind of move on from this, this horrible virus that has killed so many people all, all over the world. Um, so let, let's change the subject a little bit. Um, let, let's spin this back to the, the plant itself. Um, one of the experiences I did have at 
CanX 2019 was the opportunity to interview a Rastafarian, uh, the first man. Uh, and he was, it was great to actually have an opportunity to talk to them about what role this plant has played in their lives and why has it played such an important role in their lives. And again, I was fascinated by all the different elements that the cannabis sativa plant plays in the day-to-day -day operation, the day-to-day -day lives that these guys have. Um, and, and I've embraced it. I, I totally understand now why when people say, oh, Jimmy, you know, you think cannabis can cure everything. And I say, no, what it does is balances everything. And that is a big difference between a cure and a, uh, an existence, if you will. Um, how do you view the, the plant's role, if not, not just with the Rastas, but also um, your own experiences and, and what, what, it is, what role has it played in your life personally? Personally, um, well, yeah. everybody's got a cannabis story. Everyone has a cannabis story. I, I, that's, I, I, I have, I haven't, I haven't thought about my cannabis story. My, my, I'm currently going on a cannabis journey, quite frankly. Um, that's, and that's, 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 and that's the truth. Because I mean, if you think about it, every day, you discover more and more about the plants and just, and the, even just the biology of the plants and, um, and the compounds, the chemicals, and what what it can do, and what I mean, what it, if and and what's it's when when you talk about balance, that's exactly what cannabis does. It brings a level of homeostasis to to the body, and if the body can be in a state of homeostasis, then a lot more things will come into balance. You know what I mean? That's that's that's. I just it's 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 structural. Just the, and again, the mere fact there that there is the endocannabinoid system in the body then there's the cannabinoid system it's like that these two things are meant to be together and that's 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 what my pursuit is right now about it's like these two things are meant to be together so let's get them together <clears throat> i think that i i personally do believe that that a lot of the ailments that 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 hurt people in the world that kill people in the world um is is endocannabinoid endocannabinoid deficiency and and that's because it's been literally taken extracted from our lives for the past 60 or 80 or whatever how many years um i think if we reintroduce it into our lives like the rest of friends have tried to, to maintain um in their lives i think that we will see a, a much healthier world and, and a much healthier world means a lot happier people and a lot less of the crap we also see going on and and suddenly less violence i can tell you that um you know for those out there who enjoy their alcohol and have sometimes had too much of it uh, they know the feelings and the impact it can have on the human body and and the the edginess that they get and the aggression that they get and the really uh, how it consumes the body and, and, and infects it negatively as opposed to the effects that cannabis has on the body, which does tend to uh, relax it, mellow it out, let things roll off you a little bit better and easier. And, um, you know, you and I talked before uh, we started recording, and it's one of the reasons why I have my Caribbean virtual background going on behind me there. Um, the movie, The Harder They Come, that was produced in the 70s uh, by the great Jimmy Cliff, the singer, um, was a big impact on my life. You know, I grew up outside of Boston in Newton, Massachusetts, a very nice suburb of Boston. And the Orson Welles Cinema in Cambridge you know, on Mass Ave used to air The Harder They Come at midnight in the 1970s. 
And, you know, being a high school kid with... Uh, I've heard of that. This, this is something say I would have heard this in the film school. Yeah, right. I, I would hope so. And by the way, you could get that movie. You could see that movie on YouTube. It's available. It's it's there. Uh, I've, I've had... I've revi- well, I've visited it. You know, for all this is a revisited thing. I mean, you know, that's something just for his, his history's sake. I will certainly have seen it. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's uh, I mean, that was one of the films when growing up as a kid in Jamaica. Um, in the 80s, that's it would be that would that would come on like on a Sunday afternoon television matinee right. type of thing. It's, right. Yeah. And and I wonder what you know, what what did people think of it? Because it did expose a little bit of the culture of the Rastafarians, of the the battle between the drug trade and the law enforcement. Um, it also showed uh, the record industry back then where, you know, the word payola was always, uh, always seemed to be right behind, underneath the surface when it came to music, you know, um, what, what was the, it, growing up, what you, you say was on a Sunday afternoon matinee on a television or whatever, how did people view that movie? Was it an accurate portrayal or was it embellished for movie making and being a movie maker? yourself uh at least amateur wise uh you know did they take too many um too many liberties on that no i do i i mean i remember i mean it was probably not a man it's probably evening so because it's not exactly yeah it's not an afternoon show but, right because um, i mean there was some there was some r-rated i think it was the first time i saw an r-rated sex act let's just say yeah but my experience watching it at the time, it was no, it was it was it was Jamaicans. I mean, well, it was you know, it was, it was out long before around when I was born. So I, I was watching to them. It was like a Jamaican classic, and that's the way that it was seen. It was a it's a classic movie. This I mean, uh oh, you froze on me. This could happen. We've had dropouts a little bit in this conversation, and now you've frozen on me. And it's, it's really too bad because we were just about to get into the whole Jimmy Cliff story, which I can certainly expound on and fill some um, what we would call dead air um, in the world. Amari, are you back with us? Yes, I think so. Something went very weird there. Hello. No, that's all right. I hear you. I'm fine. You're fine now. But you did go away. I, I filled. I filled. And I talked about dead air. You know, that, that's what we call it in the business when uh, we have a technical issue and uh, the fallout of the audio and what have you. Um, but Jamaica, I think you, you're back now, right? Okay. Yes, I can hear you now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I don't know where I left off. Well, we were talking about Jimmy Cliff, and I was going to get into the whole story. Look, it was a big, it was a cultural film for the for the protest era uh, American in the in the seventies. You know, sixties uh, and seventies. I grew up in the protest era. We were involved with an unpopular Vietnam War at the time, and you know, I was in my early teens when all that happened, and I had an older brother who was a big influence, so I would protest along with my older brother and his friends the war and becoming a rebel a bit and, and pushing up against the establishment, right, Han? Absolutely. Um, you know, going to commit acts of civil disobedience by rolling up uh, Jamaican, that's right, we're rolling up Jamaican, there you go, there's your peace signs. I gave out those peace signs at my bar mitzvah in 1970, okay? So it gives you an idea of where I'm at, all right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a timeless icon. Absolutely, and I've got my timeless icon right here. You know what I'm going to put on it before the end. But uh, the point, again, where I'm going with this is I'm trying to explain my own 
how I viewed the heart of they come and I loved the music and I loved bar who doesn't love bar Marley come on man I mean it was such an influence it still is uh, the, the whole reggae uh, music scene is something I've always embraced and liked I've always enjoyed live music anyway I marvel at all musicians but let's go right to the chase I was a freshman at Tufts University in 1975 um, it was one of the greatest uh, years of my life because not only was it the year I graduated high school, class of 75, but I also joined uh, the, the drinking age in Massachusetts in 1975 was 18. And I moved into college on my 18th birthday in September of 1975. It also was the fall of the greatest uh, World Series championship between the Boston Red Sox and the Cincinnati Reds in 1975 that Red Sox fans still claim we actually won that World Series three games to four, which you know is not true because you have to win four games to win. But the, the game six of, uh, of the World Series in 1975 was still one of the greatest baseball games of all time. I got to be there um, in person uh, when the Reds played at Tufts, when, the, when there was a four days of rainouts in 1975 and the Reds had to find a place to practice indoors. They came out to Tufts University in Bedford and me and my friends would go down to the cage, which was the indoor facility for the gym, and we would heckle the Reds and Johnny Bench and Pete Rose. And, hey, you guys, you know, we were 18-year-old obnoxious males. I mean, what can I tell you? It's just, you know, did we smoke weed? Yeah, we probably, we probably did, Omari. Okay, I'm sorry. Anyway, the night that Jimmy Cliff did a concert in Boston at the old music hall, which was right down the street from Emerson on Tremont Street. It's the Bach Center now. Um, it was the Wang Center, the Bach Wang Center, and Jimmy Cliff sang, and the old underground FM radio station WBCN carried that concert live on the radio, and my friends in my freshman dorm would sit around, and we'd listen to that concert, and then, of course, it was, you know, 10.30, 11 o'clock, 11.30, and what's on at midnight in, in Harvard Square, Orson Welles Seminar? The harder they come. Let's go. Why not? Right? We all pile into the car, we go, sure enough, we watch the movie. At the end of the movie, who stands up in front of the movie theater to say hello to everybody? Jimmy Cliff. And who walks up to him and shakes his hand and says, I've watched you and admired you from afar for a long time. I so appreciate your work. I got to say hello to him. I walked, and the best part is, I have friends who can back me up on that story. It's a true story, and I will admit that 1975, and I will tell you this. Do you do you remember how red Jimmy Cliff's eyes were in that movie? For the most part, his eyes were just bloodshot the whole movie, right? Yeah, I, I remember noticing that. When I when I met him when I met him face to face before social distancing, his eyes were bright reds too. Okay, so. <laughs> It's a, and, and I think it's just uh, it's one of my favorite stories to tell. And I'm glad uh, that I can tell it to somebody who's a native of Jamaica who can appreciate that. So uh, I, I can mostly appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. No, so, that was that was a, growing up. That was a Jamaican classic. That was that was I remember scenes in it and people VHS people had, you know, and people would be laughing for days about that stuff. That, I mean, it was whether well, you did ask the question before. Did people take liberties? Yeah. Uh -oh. To an extent, I would say I would I would say not none further than the Jamaican <laughs> that the upper class of Jamaicans would have would have you know ridiculed or or whatever um, you know um, 
cricketerized any any other person within society. So it would it would be yeah, I would say appropriately accurate for a media portrayal. <laughs> Let me go there. Getcha. Uh, and and now what what better time for me to uh, to don the headgear that I did buy in Canex uh, this past September 2019. So I. I can't, grow the, I can't grow the dreadlocks, Amari, but I'm very proud to wear them. And I love the colors. And, uh, and I've always, always been a big fan of the reggae boys, uh, the, soccer, the soccer team, the national team of Jamaica uh, as well, because I am a big soccer fan um, and, and swear it. Even, even in the 1970s, I, I got to play for my college. So, uh, Omari, look, I, I definitely want to continue this conversation. I want to talk more about how pro-cannabis media and, and your cause, the Ganja Project, uh, can somehow or other work together. And uh, we, we could certainly take that offline, as they say. But I, I so enjoyed uh, getting to know you a little bit more. I hope you uh, enjoyed some of the stories that I was able to pontificate a little bit. And, uh, and I hope we get a chance to work together soon in the future. Um, I, 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 I share the same sentiment. I've, I've been eager to meet you. In fact, I've seen, I've seen your work. I like your energy a lot. You're, you're, you look a ball of fun. <laughs> you know, I can sway both ways depending on, depending on how it goes. But no, seriously, it's, um, I, would, I would love to do some work with you guys. I am putting stuff together that I think um, your work will help to enhance. And I def, I, whatever, you know, I can definitely put stuff together that will enhance your work. I do have a, a long history of video and film production. Um, starting at Emerson College. That's so, right. um, yeah, let's, let's, let's take this, I do say, offline for sure. All right. So, Amari Jackson, um, and we can find out about your work where? Ganjactivist.com. I'm going to obviously put up a graphic uh, on the lower third uh, to drive people to that so they can check it out. But I do appreciate you taking the time. And I hope one day I get to visit your fine country again and uh, maybe even play. Uh, that beautiful uh, golf course at, uh, is it Rose Garden? Um, the Rose Hall, Rose Hall, um, right next to the Ritz there uh, where I, I got- You're in the US, no, this is, this is Jamaica. <laughs> I, I, I understand that, I understand that. I'm gonna come visit you, I think, before you come here. How's that, is that fair enough? It, and, and I'll tell you, after, after experiencing it last year, I totally want to go back again. Uh, I, I got to meet uh, Douglas Gordon and his sister, and I really enjoyed my time there. Hung out with Bruce Linton and Steve D'Angelo and a couple of the other uh, legends of the industry from the North American world. And uh, let's all meet in next year. You know, we, we say in... in um, in Hebrew, next year let's be in Jerusalem. So let's next next year let's be in Canex in Montego Bay. All right, fair enough. Do that. All right. So for Amari Jackson, I'm Jimmy Young, the host of In the Weeds from Pro Cannabis Media. We'll catch you next time. Don't forget, it's a whole new world of weed out there. Let's use it responsibly. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We talk now. We talk news. And In the Weeds are all available on most major podcast distributors like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and our friends at clnsmedia.com and our flagship, cannabis.net. So subscribe, share, and like our videos on all the social media networks out there, including LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, The Weed Tube, and YouTube. 
Weed Talk and In the Weeds are two productions of pro-cannabis media supported by Revolutionary Clinics, one of the top medical cannabis dispensaries in the Massachusetts area, now with three locations in Greater Boston, two in Cambridge, and one on Broadway in Somerville. Rev Clinics has a patient-first mission. They will customize your needs as a medical patient with the proper titration and combination of strains, flavors, and products. Rev Clinics, where the patient comes first. We are Pro Cannabis Media.